Welcome in lacrosse fans to the fourth episode of the Utah Lacrosse Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Haslam, current sports information director for the Utah men's lacrosse team. We have a lot to talk about on today's show. The team is coming off a long road trip to Southern California where they took on top-level teams. The first game was against the Cal Poly Mustangs in San Luis Obispo. Each team scored a goal early on in the game, which gave signs that it was going to be a close game, but the Utes put the pedal to the metal and cruised to a 9-3 victory. Here's what Coach Holman had to say after the game. And then, you know, it'd be crazy not to mention the whole defense, right? Sure. We, we held them to one goal, I think, mm-hmm. for almost three and a half quarters. Right. They scored about halfway through the first, and they didn't score another goal until right. halfway through probably the fourth, I think. Yeah. So almost three quarters of shutout ball. So defensively, all those guys, you know, get a shout-out to just playing so well as a unit. And then individually, I, I'd say, you know, Dan and, and, uh, and Aaron and, and Gus and, and Bo. Yeah. Cool. Uh, what were some things that you were happy with today on the field? I just our, our approach. I thought, I thought the guys, you know, really, you know, like I just told them, I thought they, they came out with a sense of purpose. I thought they were organized. I thought they, 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 they knew what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought we were, I don't, I don't like to use the term business-like, but I thought we sort of were <laughs> like that. Like, it, you know, it was a first game for us, and I didn't feel like a, an over amount of hype from yeah. our guys. I felt like they, they were on a mission to come here and play well and get better. So that really was, you know, I thought that was the biggest thing for us. The next game was on Saturday against the Arizona Wildcats at the Pac-12 shootout on the UCLA campus. The Utes jumped out to a 5-1 lead after the first quarter and never looked back, winning 16-5. Here are Coach Holman's thoughts. Um, coming off the, the win over Arizona, 16-5, what, uh, what stood out to you um, as far as the offensive side of the ball today? Um, I, I think, I think we, we took the, the next step. So, so, you know, we all talked about after Cal Poly, you know, we did a lot of really good things. It didn't reflect so much on the scoreboard. But after watching the film, Tim, and talking with the kids and the coaches, you know, we were really close. So I think today we shot the ball a little bit better. Mm-hmm. We worked for some better shots. I thought the ball movement was better. You know, we got the ball in and out of our sticks. So, so we just took, we just kind of evolved a little bit today. So I think that's, that's the biggest thing. One of the goals after the Cal Poly game was to play more kids. And we played everyone today. Talk about that. Yeah, that, that – I think that was one thing as a staff we didn't do well on uh, after the uh, during the Cal Poly game and and again it's our first game we, we're trying to mix and match guys on lines and sometimes you get in a rhythm and you don't and you don't really even know it right and all yeah. of a sudden you look over and say wow those five guys didn't play so I told the team that was my fault and and. Our objective today is to get more guys on the field. We have a lot of kids, and the more kids we can play at, at, at any stage, right? Sure. So, so mission accomplished yeah. uh, by, by the score, but also by the effort of the coaching staff to play more guys. Sure. The final game was on Sunday against the number three Cal Bears. It was clear from the beginning that the Utes were improving game by game. Utah led 6-1 to one after the first quarter and continued to dominate the rest of the game, winning 18-6. to six. Josh Stout had 10 points, 6 goals, and 4 assists. Here's what Coach Holman had to say after the Cal game. Just, you know, just really, really proud of the guys. I, I thought, I thought they, they came out and they were very intent and they were very focused. And they were very excited. And uh, I thought they executed what we asked them to do to, to the best degree. So just happy and proud of, of, of them with the effort today. 
Obviously, the offense was rolling, but more importantly, the defense held its ground in all three games, allowing just 14 goals. Goalie Daniel Costa was a rock all week behind a slew of poles. Here's Coach Holman's overall thoughts on the weekend. Uh, talk about the weekend as a whole. You know, obviously the goal is probably always to go 3-0 to win all your games, right? But talk about the progress that was made. I, I think that's the key. The key word was progress. And that, and that was our goal, right, to, to get better, uh, to get better as a, as a team, um, to get better as, as a family, you know, and I thought we accomplished a lot of things. It, you know, we have a long way to go. I think the guys understand that. But we, we clearly got better, and we clearly came away with a lot of things that we can get better at. And so, so mission accomplished. The youths will take to the road next week to face Texas and SMU. Let's welcome in our guest for today's podcast. Joining the show today is assistant coach Will Manny. Will is originally from Long Island, New York, and attended St. Anthony's High School. He continued to play as collegiate lacrosse at the University of Massachusetts, graduating in 2013. Manny finished his career at UMass as the fifth all-time leading scorer with 201 points in just 55 games. Will was also named a 2012 USILA First Team All-American Colonial Athletic Association Player of the Year, an honor which he earned two years after being named the 2010 CAA Rookie of the Year. Will was named a Tawaratana finalist in 2012, leading UMass to its only undefeated season in program history. A four-time All-CAA honoree, he led UMass in assists all four seasons from his attack position while pacing the Minutemen in points from 2010 to 2012 and goals in 2010 and 2012. After graduating from UMass in 2013, Will served as an assistant manager at Bank of America in Boston for a year and a half. Recognizing lacrosse as his passion, he served as a graduate assistant at Wagner for the 2015 and 2016 seasons. Both seasons at Wagner were record-setting with most wins in school history consecutively. Will has an MBA in management and currently plays in the MLL for the New York Lizards. Will has been an MLL All-Star in each of the last three seasons, as well as been in the top 10 for scoring in the last three seasons. Welcome to the show, Coach. How are you? I'm doing well, Tim. Thanks for having me. Good. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming down. Team just got uh, back from a, a long road trip. Felt like we were on the bus forever. Uh, we, we played, uh, like I said in the intro, Cal Poly, Arizona, and Cal. What were, what were some of your takeaways from that trip? Yeah, it was a great weekend for us, just from the bus ride to, to three different hotels and the guys taking the field for the first time in, in a long preseason. We've had four or four weeks where they were just beating each other up and, and itching to get on the field. So for us, it was just trying to play Utah lacrosse. And the best part for us after the three games is that we got better each time we got on the field. Uh, the first game, again, with uh, Cal Poly, not, not really knowing much about them, just, just reading and doing some research from last year. The guys were just able to execute what we were trying to do offensively, defensively, in between the lines. Same thing with Arizona. We didn't know much about those guys either. It was their first game. And then Cal, we were able to do a little more research. They had a couple of games, and we were able to look up stats and see guys who returned from last year and had an idea of what's going on with those guys. And Coach Holman and I, Marcus, were able to see them play live for about a quarter, quarter and a half um, before our game on Saturday. So. Uh, the preparation was there, and, and it was just good to see the guys in the same color for the first time and, and get on the field and play together. Absolutely. You talked about uh, how the team improved game by game. You know, Obviously, that was shown on the score, You know, nine goals in the first game, 16 in the next, 18 in the next. Um, but talk about 
how the team improved sort of in the in the unta- the intangibles you know the things that maybe don't get statted yeah that and that's the utah lacrosse that's the things that we watch the film as, as a coaching staff and see who had hockey assists who had a ground ball that changed the the, the swing of the game um who stopped their run if the other team had two or three goal run who stopped it why did that happen and, and how that was created so as a staff that's that's what we take pride in, in in the program and coach Holman from from the top down to us and, and we're watching lacrosse 24-7 at our house and, and the film on on the iPads on the way after games so um, what the guys did on and off the field to prepare for those games it just showed right, right away they were just excited to play and um, we outground balled every team that we played uh, and, and we had I think 14 assists in that last game of 18 goals so yeah. That, that just shows to how much these guys really love playing with each other and, and for, for us to build off of. There's, there's a high ceiling now uh, for, for us to continue to build our playbooks and, and see what these guys are made of um, for the rest of the season because obviously three games is three games and we got a long sure. road ahead. So it sure. was just, again, just to finalize that, it was just so happy to see the guys do well and execute exactly what we wanted them to do. Yeah, something that you know we meant you mentioned before the podcast, and, and Coach Holman had talked about it. But last year's team also went three and zero in the same trip, and uh, you know finished the season ten and seven with a with a first round exit in, in the MCLE tournament. So lots of lots of work left to do. Uh, what are some things that you liked that you saw on offense? You know, specifically, you're obviously an offensive minded guy. What are some things you liked? What are some maybe things that you want to try moving forward or, or could see differently? Yeah, just, again, talking as a staff, and obviously Marcus and I are running the offense. There's just so much to do and so much sure. fun looking forward uh, to what this group can do. But, again, just getting better each game. I think one thing that we harped on was our shooting and our off-ball movement. Uh, by the end of that third game versus Cal, we, we kind of adjusted at half times of each game. But you could just see that guys were moving with a purpose. Not not just standing around. We yeah. kind of have that three-second rule that we like to implement where if you have the ball on your stick for more than three seconds or you're standing in the same spot for more than three seconds offensively without the ball, uh, you're, you're kind of putting us in a bad situation. So re-watching the film two or three times already, I think we've really improved in that, in that sense with the uh, three-second rule and moving with the purpose. Uh, our shooting can definitely improve. Again, that, that's just seeing different goalies and, and being a little antsy at times. Uh, the assisted goals is something, as an offensive coach, if you see more than eight or nine of those a game, that's that's pretty impressive in, in my opinion. So that's another positive. Um, things to work on. I, I think we need to continue to work on being strong with the ball and dodging. It's uh, something we harp on in practice every single day, not, not getting stripped on, on an initial dodge. Um, support of outlets, just making sure guys know if they're the adjacent guy next to the guy with the ball. We need to be able to support that guy in any way possible so we can get the ball moving. Um, but overall, I think our guys are right where we need to be. And just like you said, a 3-0 is 3-0. But um, as a coaching staff, what we're trying to really improve on this year is making sure the guys are prepared and confident going into each game. So that's our scouting reports and showing them the right film, not overwhelming them with it, but just making sure, sure they know enough just to see it understand it and then when when it's game time just play our game uh that's number one and then number two this is something we've learned as a staff and we talk about all the time is is kind of the bill belichick uh adjustments at halftime what what do these guys do in the first half how can we help our team and it doesn't have to be a whole new scheme right it's just 
twisting and turning a couple things just to uh, give them a different look. So I think we did a good job of that, and we got to continue to work. So it, it, it's going really, really well. <laughs> sure. I'm going to ask you a very specific question. What uh, What are some adjustments that were made over the weekend, you know, maybe in the first half of a game this was happening, and what adjustments were made to, to overcome those? Yeah, so in the uh, Cal Poly game, the first the first quarter, second quarter, uh, we were just getting too bunched up on the crease. Uh, there was too many guys just running into the mm -hmm. crease and just clogging up the middle of the field. So kind of went into an open set and, and kept one guy in there as opposed to two. Uh, and which leads to three or four at some time. So, so sure. for us, we kind of opened up the middle of the field, gives the guys an opportunity to see where the slides are coming from. Cal Poly slid really, really early. Uh, so we needed to make sure we just had guys on the perimeter to be able to move the ball uh, and let the ball beat the slides and beat the defenders. Uh, and we were able to do that. The guys did a really good job of that. Uh, second half of Cal, uh, they, they threw a zone at us. So we needed to just show our guys review our zone package on offense and show them where the weak spots are in in the zone and, and then just be patient. I think our guys, again, the first time playing in a while, uh, even though it was the third game, sure. we showed a couple of really good clips on on zone offense where we were patient and moved the ball and then a couple where we were just looked very antsy and, and, and rushed it. So we'll be, we'll be practicing that over the next couple of weeks because I think we'll be able to see that moving down the line from some of these teams because uh, our offense, we have a lot of guys that we're putting on the field, and uh, that that's good for us. So ma matchup-wise, uh, some teams might struggle with that, and they might throw a zone, and we got to be prepared, and that's on, on Marcus and I to make sure our guys are prepared for that. So um, those are a couple of things that I saw, and I, I think we did a good job of them. I, I, the guys just with leadership from Josh Stout, Gus Colonna, Jake Stout, guys who are on the field consistently and are returners from last year, um, taking the reins, that was, that was pretty awesome to see. Couple, a couple questions that stem from that one is um, uh, how do you kind of switching gears, but still within the current team, how do you, how do you create your practice plans? You know, what, what thought goes into that? What, what do you see? Are you shooting for a certain amount of drills or is it just kind of, you know, do you want more play time yeah. going to go into that? Yeah, it definitely changes from, from fall to now uh, a bit just because of what we need to work on, what we're going to see. Um, and, and for us having a large roster of, of 40 plus guys, we're able to go two sides, six on six. Yeah. So we can go against the scout defense and our, and our first defense can go against the scout offense. So for us, that's one thing we like to do is converse as a staff and say, hey, what do we need to work on? And that could be Coach Gittleman talking to us about what he sees offensively we need to work on. And the same thing vice versa. We say yeah. to Adam, what do we need to work on? And then we, we take Coach Holman's notes. Whatever Coach Holman wants from top down, we'll, we'll implement that into the practice plan. And uh, we just like to be creative. We create new drills, game-like situations, uh, a loose ball going to the, towards the sideline. Uh, and, and we have two guys going to the ball. And we kind of simulate that into a drill. And the guys love it. And, yeah. and then you'll see it down the line. It might not happen in the next game. But say you get to the tournament 10 to 12 games from now and it happens you're like well we we practice this and the right. guys are confident in that situation so we just like to do it that way where our guys can see everything that might happen in a game and we take time and, and effort into making these practice plans and, and then the guys just execute it and play as hard as they can so it, it works out perfectly sure that's uh that's one of my favorite parts of coming to practice is to see all the different drills and stuff but then uh you talked about these game-like situations it's f it's fun to see uh, honestly, it, it kind of reminds me of like backyard, uh, you know, there's 10 seconds left yeah. and 
we're down by three, you know, or whatever. And, and, and you're, you're playing out these scenarios. And I think I, I almost wonder if you guys have more fun creating those scenarios <laughs> than the players have doing them. But yeah, yeah we, we, it's not arguing, but one person's talking about it at the house and, and we're right off the bat, you think of another one and right. we just write them all down. Right. Uh, and if we don't get to those in the practice, because we have to move on, we, we keep it time by time right. so if it's 10 minute drill it's 10 minutes if we don't get to something we'll just add it on to the next practice so yeah it's it's definitely fun to see and when the guys execute it and and the offense makes a, a four pass connection right. to a goal we go crazy and then right. if, if coach Gittleman they, they pick off a pass and someone's breaking up field for an opposing fast break we go nuts for that as well so again we, we make a game game like and then we just try to make it fun for our guys because that, that's what it's supposed to be. Is there any is there any in inner house uh, you live obviously with with uh, Adam and, and Marcus is there any inner house competition on the practice field you know you mentioned when the offense does something good you know is there any is there any chirping back to coach gets <laughs> yeah. that his defense didn't perform yeah and again that's that's p- part of part of what we're trying to build here is showing everybody on the team and our players that we're competing at all times um, as much as we are one team and that's exactly what we are when we when we step on the field on game day uh, practices can can get into it I, I it's usually for me it's for man up man down sure. we, we have an extra guy I think we should sure. be scoring or yeah. getting a good look at it every single time and the defense has handed it to us they I mean I think after looking <laughs> at it this weekend they have an 86 percent man down right. percentage so we got a pretty damn good uh, man down but yeah it, it's a competition we we like to have fun with it and but also if the defense makes a great play we'll go give those guys sure. high fives because sure. those guys need to be recognized in those situations and uh, again, having fun, competing, and just being creative—that that's the, that's our mindset, and, and you could see that every single practice. So, yeah. Wanted to talk about the the number one jersey. Uh, I asked uh, yeah. Marcus about this as well, and uh, you know, this year it, it's Josh Sauer in it as well as last year. But you know, typically team, you know, it's like the twenty-two at Syracuse. Um, but what kind of went into that creating that number one jersey, and and what does it mean to you? Yeah. That, that started last year when we first got here, just as a staff, again, sitting down talking, what do we want this program to look like? And uh, <clears throat> Coach Holman brought that up. And at the time, I was still wearing right. number one for, <laughs> for the Boston Cannons. Right. I mean, I wore number one from my sophomore year of high school all the way up until this past summer when I got traded. Um, now I'm number four. But number one, it means a lot. And listening to Marcus speak about it in his podcast, it, he was spot on. It's somebody that is hardworking, uh, a leader, someone that puts the team first, um, but also kind of is that number one guy on the roster when you when you look at a team. I love when Marcus said that, where yeah. you, you look at somebody else's roster and the first name you see is that number one. Um, and that, that was myself, that was Marcus for, for years and yeah. still is. So uh, for Josh, he's, he's somebody that I spend a lot of time with because I, I work with the attack most of the time. And um, the growth that I've seen from that kid over the past year and a half so far is great. And these past three games from game one to game three, uh, his leadership and, and his confidence is just going through the roof and we got to continue to build that. So the number one is it's a huge piece to this program and it will be for, for eternity. And uh, I'm just so happy to be a part of it. And, and it's so cool to see coach Holman bring that up when we first got out here and, and, recognize myself and Marcus for, for wearing that and saying yeah. this is going to go to our, our quote-unquote guy on the offense that we want to wear. And um, Josh, is he, he's perfectly 
fit for that for that number and, and I'm looking forward to seeing him continue to build his his lacrosse IQ and, and his vision of the game and just his brand in general so sure and we'll be there for him the whole way that's a good segue into my next topic which is the meet the team day this time oh yeah <laughs> fans if uh, if you're around in the Salt Lake area and want to come meet the team uh, that's at it's going to begin at 6 p.m it's going to be at the tower at Rice Eccles it's a good opportunity to come obviously meet the team but we'll have giveaways you can buy season tickets you can win season tickets you can be a founder uh, I, I believe the coaches are bringing their MLL helmets so yep. if you got little ones who want to get their head uh, in one of those MLL helmets, we'll take a picture. I, I believe Marcus said he'd bring a USA one as well. Yeah, so. we got we got plenty to go around. <laughs> <laughs> so a good a good time. Uh, like I said, an opportunity to to uh, meet the team, obviously, but also uh, you know win some Utah gear or buy some Utah gear and tickets and all that. What what are your thoughts on uh, the meet the team day? Yeah, uh, I remember from last year. I was in a different location. Well, actually, no, are we still in that. Uh, we'll be at the stadium. We'll be at the stadium yeah. this year, but last year was in that in that cafeteria mm -hmm. area, and and it was packed. It was it was something we didn't know what what the turnout was going to be, mm -hmm. but I think for for where we're at and what we're trying to accomplish here, it's just another step forward and and, and getting involved with the community and making sure uh, fans could see the faces of their favorite players without their helmets right. on and right. and meet us as a staff. And I'm, I'm assuming this year we're going to see kids that have been coming to our camps and clinics and just seeing a lot of familiar faces for for being here for a year and a half we've been in front of over 2,000 kids right. in so many different ways um, and just building that community sense and uh, for for us I'm just happy to see the guys just be recognized and right. sit down next to each other and, and kind of feel very special in that in that moment um, and for for us we know how hard they work on the field and just seeing them be personable and smiling and all that off the field is just so important to us uh, and getting closer and closer with this school and this athletic program I think just making sure we're starting this off on the right foot and bringing in the right people uh, and then just seeing the support that we have from everyone on the outside uh, I'm looking forward to our first home game again we play five games before we come back home uh, in March so it's uh it's a building block and, and it just kind of continues throughout the season and make sure our guys are just happy and, and understand that they're they're loved both from the coaching staff and everyone else who are is involved in this Salt Lake City community. Sure, we ha we have a bunch of different uh, unique characters on the team. Oh, I, yeah. I won't give any spoilers, but I'll let you, <laughs> I'll let the public find out who those people are. Yeah, but, it'll be easy. Uh, <laughs> moving forward, uh, next week you you alluded to it. Um, next Wednesday, the team takes off to go to Texas to play Texas on Thursday, and SMU on Saturday. Uh, you know, I know we we take it one game at a time, but kind of what are you looking to gain from this trip? Yeah, again, we gave the guys we had lift last night. Tonight we have a team meeting. We're back on the field tomorrow night on Thursday. So for us, uh, we're going to finish this week off with just worrying about ourselves, getting back, beat each other up a little bit tomorrow night, uh, get our legs back underneath us, get us some running in. And then next week, start preparing for those two teams. Again, Texas beat us last year. So we have film on them. They played Cal. They lost to Cal pretty bad. Um, but again, that doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. a, a new game is a new game. You never know what's going to happen. So for us, it's just another week in the office where we're preparing, preparing and seeing what this team does. How can we kind of execute to the highest level and uh, take advantage of what they're doing? Uh, and then SMU, again, we didn't play those guys last year, so we don't know much about them, but we'll, we'll dig and, and find them as much as we can. Um, and then pl play it as a new game. Like you said, it's just not looking past the next opponent and who's in our way. 
Uh, but then next week we'll, we'll, we'll do our film sessions with our guys, watch individual clips, and, and then we'll, we'll enjoy another trip together. We're flying there this time, luckily, <laughs> instead of a 12-hour a bus ride. But um, it's just another opportunity for our guys to ha have a different uh, kind of view of, of what college across is all about, taking a, taking a flight and a business trip, as we like to say, mm -hmm. and um, and just handling ourselves to the highest capability that we can. And, and then when they get on the field, know what they're doing, play as hard as they can. And, and like Coach Holman always says, you, you don't leave the field till they kick us off. So no matter what the score is, we're, we'll play as hard as we can. And, uh, and yeah, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's just the, these gaps are, are great for our guys to kind of recover and, and recoup. Uh, but also you get itchy again to play, and uh, that's the best part about it. So we just got to be prepared and, and have fun. As a coach, do you like, uh, you know, the MCLA is obviously different than the NCAA, but, you know, the MCLA kind of groups their games to save on travel. Do you, do you like having games grouped or do you like them kind of one a week uh, kind of feel? Yeah, uh, it's it's definitely different. Uh, I don't know what I like better. I think early season here, it's it's good for our guys because they're yeah. hungry. Uh, we just got to make sure that they're they're tamed and prepared sure. the right way, and, and that's on the coaching staff. So, uh Coach Holman did a good job of this last year and did a good job of it this year. Again, just preparing our guys for, for later in the season where you make it to the MCLA tournament, you have to win or play four games in five days or mm -hmm. three and four, whatever it may be. That's what we did with our guys in the first trip just to show them, hey, this is the kind of confidence level. This is the effort you need and um, preparation. Again, the word comes up so much for our guys that this is what you're going to need at the end of the season, and we're going to do it right away and see where we're at. So uh, I, I like it just because we get to coach and, and sure. we get to see our guys play. Uh, but there's also time where you play three games and then you got two in a week and a half, and now we get a, a full week of practice where we can sure. kind of fix things that we need to fix sure. and, and kind of build off of what we did last week if, if we can – add on to our zone offense or add a different ride or whatever it may be, that's the time to do it. And I think our guys have that mental capability to kind of add on to what our playbook has already. And that's what we're going to look to do. Cool. Uh, in, anything else about the, the team that you, you know, you want to mention? No, uh, okay. again, I just like, I just love where, where our leadership is right now. Um, our captains are doing a really good job and just thinking about it earlier today, watching more film, we, we have so many young guys and it's just so good to see how they're committed to what we're trying to do. Yeah. Uh, and they're practicing at it. They're talking to each other. And I just think that bus trip is just a huge, uh, positive for, for what we were accomplishing. Um, those guys just communicating, smiling, bus karaoke. Uh, we, we did a team icebreaker where guys wrote down on, on a piece of paper, uh, something that everyone else on the team wouldn't know about them. And, and we put it in a hat and we just read it off from the front of the bus and you took four or five guesses at who that person was. And then they would stand up on the bus and you learn a lot about your team uh, and you have a couple of laughs along the way. And I just think something like that as a team and for people on the outside looking in, uh, know, understand that it's not just hard work and, uh, and seeing us, play really, really good lacrosse when, when we step on the field. We do a lot of stuff behind the scenes for our guys to just enjoy this whole entire process in a long season. And um, and it's just great for us. You learn so much. And I think you saw a lot more smiles on that bus <laughs> sitting in uh, a nine-hour bus ride from Las Vegas back home. So, um, yeah, I, I just really enjoyed that trip. And I think we're, again, looking forward to continuing to build off of that. 
Perfect. I uh, it, it was a long ride. Uh, for those listening, we got stuck in some traffic <laughs> on the way home, so it did take nine hours from Vegas. Yes, but it did. We're okay. Uh, moving on to sort of the general lacrosse or, uh, topic of the of the podcast. Tell us tell us what your origin story is. You know, how did you start playing? Did you always want to play lacrosse? Did you always want to play tack? Go into into those details. Yeah, I I started in uh, second grade back uh, on Long Island in Far- Farmingdale, New York. My dad never played lacrosse. He was a baseball guy growing up in Queens. And luckily enough, when we were growing up in North Massapequa, I played every sport you could possibly think of. And um, when I moved there, when I got into the sports and then the PAL leagues, a lot of my friends' parents or or dads played lacrosse because they grew up on Long Island. Mm So right when that came about, uh, I can remember my my friend Joe Solano. He played lacrosse at uh, Penn State. His dad was a, a Long Island guy, and he was the coach of the PAL team. And he asked me to come come play. He wanted me to come play lacrosse. And right, right from the start, I can remember I I, I fell in love with it. Uh, my grandfather, uh, who passed away years ago, he was the guy who bought me my first stick. Um, and I could just remember getting put down at attack early in my career, probably the first practice. I don't remember that in depth, but I don't think I ever left the attack position just mm-hmm. because I was a lefty and that specific position is, is unique. Sure. And if you, I was always known for having vision uh, on the basketball court, on the soccer field, just vision and, and quickness. So I was able to sit down there and stay down there for, for my whole entire career. Luckily never had to run like these horse middies <laughs> that you see nowadays playing both ways. And, sure. uh, being a lefty definitely helped me in my career just understand that's such an important position and now you see a lot of them but, but thinking about it there, there were probably two other lefties on my team one was a defenseman my buddy Anthony Ostrander who played lacrosse at Albany uh, and then another midi so it's an important position and I stayed down there for for, for as long as I've played so uh, I'll always remember that where lacrosse just I fell in love with it just because of how it brings together soccer basketball hockey um and everything that you could you could play all, all in one so i fell in love with it from the get-go and i continued to play obviously until this day so sure did you play any other sports growing up yeah i was a soccer guy uh basketball guy i played ice hockey roller hockey uh did golf golf school for a couple of times and i still play now mm-hmm. and never played that competitively but um yeah i, I was i wrestled in middle school i, I did as much as I possibly can. I miss so many family trips just yeah. because, just because I had a season from right. fall to spring. So, uh, that, that's something that we, we harp on to our recruits is, is when they question, Oh, should I just play lacrosse? Yeah. You're playing every other sport that you possibly can try mm-hmm. out for something. Uh, I even bowled my senior year of high school. <laughs> yeah. I didn't play basketball my senior year of high school, um, or soccer. I actually stopped playing. Uh, a lot of my friends played football, and I, I went to all those games and watched those guys compete. And then in the winter, I was like, this is, this is, I have too much time on my yeah. hands. So yeah. me and a couple of my, my buddies, we tried out for the bowling team and we were three of the eight that made the bowling team. So okay. we were able to bowl senior year, which is pretty funny. I don't think many people know that about <laughs> me. Uh, but if you want to compete in the bowling alley, I'll, I'll, I'll come right at you. So you, you still play? Well, I, still do I, I've, I haven't done it in a while. <laughs> I don't think I've seen a bowling alley here in Salt Lake city okay. in a year and a half. I don't think my eyes have been open sure. for that, but, um, yeah, it's again, that's just something for, for me, it's just always have that c- competitive edge, do something w- with your time. And, um, and again, that's just, who who I was growing up, so it, it's, it's awesome to to be a part of. What do you uh, what do you consider your greatest lacrosse accomplishment? Uh, greatest lacrosse accomplishment. 
I'd have to go with that my 2012 season at UMass, just being able to be a part of that special team, 15 and 0, for the first time in program history. There was just so much that was accomplished that year. Um, and again, all, all the accolades for personal and team, all that comes from w winning games and doing mm -hmm. it together. Sure. I mean, we had six or seven All-Americans that year. Uh, being a part of that Tuarton finalist, I never thought in my life I would yeah. be a part of that. And my, my family, to this day, we still remember that and, and, and talk about that just because it was such, such a cool experience. Um, so I'd I, I just go with 2012 in general. I think that kind of flipped my lacrosse career. Um, just being a part of that group of seniors who were such good leaders, Anthony Biscardi, Greg Anderson, Greg Rushing, shout out to those guys um, for, for being who they were and, and building that program up each year. Uh, but, yeah, 2012 for me, man, was just a, 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 a complete twist to my lacrosse career. I fell even more in love with the game and yeah. realized, hey, if you – continue to work as hard as you did this off season that that winter I remember I, I worked out on Long Island at an indoor facility uh, and have never felt so good in my life going into that first game versus Army and I realized if I continue to work at this this could be something that I could play in the MLL I, sure. I can continue to build a brand in this lacrosse world and I honestly didn't think that was that was pos mm -hmm. possible in, in my freshman or sophomore year so um, 2012 uh, I think that's just my whole lacrosse career in a nutshell right there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and you mentioned something, um, you know, it opened up some opportunities, but you kind of went down this path where you did have a day job after graduating, yeah. right? But then quickly realized, like we read in the bio, that, that you didn't want to do that anymore. What was that transition like going from, you know, a, a collegiate lacrosse player to, uh, you know, a, a day job for a bank and then yeah. going into coaching? Yeah, it, it was great. I actually got that job at Bank of America through, through the lacrosse world. My, my uh, CMM, my consumer market manager, was a Boston Cannons fan. And when he saw that I got drafted, so but back then in 2013, back then, I'm talking like I'm, <laughs> I'm 80 years old, uh, in 2013, the MLL draft was in January. So mm -hmm. it was before right. your senior year started. So I got drafted overall, uh, like I think it was 14th overall, right, right after Marcus. Um, and I got drafted to Boston and I was obviously at UMass. So it was pretty cool to mm -hmm. stay and stay in state there. Yeah. Um, so when I went through the interview process about a month after that, he knew who I was as a lacrosse player, a college lacrosse player, and understood that I was going to the Boston Cannons. And I built a relationship with him on the phone during phone interviews, that first process. And when I got to meet him in person, he, he was a so happy to see that a lacrosse player was going to come into the, the bank of America world right. and kind of be as personable as I am, just lo loving to be around people and, and, right. and, and kind of have conversation. Uh, it, it, it made me feel comfortable. Uh, I think I didn't know as much about the finance side of things. And he said, that that's what they're there for to teach me and, mm -hmm. but just be myself and have fun with it and learn, um, that that's, those are three things that I love to do. And, uh, being able to have a lacrosse background and have that support. I was training his kid two times a week in his backyard <laughs> sure. after work. So, uh, lacrosse has given me so many opportunities in my life. And that was, that was the start of it, right? My junior year led me to a job. And then I, the best part about it was when I left the bank of America, all I had to do was just be honest with my, my, my manager and say, listen, I have an opportunity to go get my master's degree coaching college across at Wagner for yeah. free. Yeah. And he said, you're crazy if you don't right. do it. Right. So, 
uh, when he says that and says, if you ever want to come back to Bank of America, you just give me a call. We'll see what we can do. That, that just gave me all confidence in the world to get back into the coaching uh, coaching gig and, and get my master's degree for two years and see if I, if I like coaching. It was a perfect kind of practice for me. Um, coach at Division One level and get my master's degree and see if you don't like it, you can, you can go back to working at, at Bank of America or, or somewhere in that field. And if you do, there's plenty of coaching opportunities in this in this college across world for for someone like myself. So um, it led me to where I am now, out in Salt Lake City, Utah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I, I love that story. You know, I don't know that. I, I mean, a lot of lacrosse players transition into the to the working world, obviously, right? And even yeah. the guys in the MLS are still working. But um, just a great story. Uh, that you have, you know, earning your MBA while coaching at Wagner. What what is Wagner like? What I don't even know where it is. To be honest with <laughs> it's, it's in Staten Island, New York. Okay. Um, w- one of the five boroughs. Do you know the five uh-huh. boroughs, yeah. Tim? Yeah. All right, good. Uh, so Matt Poske was on the cannons with me at the time, and I told him right away. I was like, listen, if you have a graduate assistant sure. position or someone that knows, let me know. He called me one day, said, mine's open next year. You want to come in August? Two weeks later, I committed yeah. to it, and I was in. So Wagner's in Staten Island, New York. Uh, they play in the NEC, Northeastern Conference, with Sacred Heart, Bryant, um, a couple other schools up there. And uh, for me, it, it was completely different than my college experience because UMass has 25,000 people yeah. plus. Um, Wagner has less than 2,500. It's a small liberal arts mm-hmm. school. Um, beautiful school, uh, yeah. if you've never seen it before. Um but yeah, I, I lived in an apartment right around the block, uh, had f- food with the guys every single day since I was quote unquote a student, I, sure. I was able to eat at the dining hall and spend a lot of time with the guys. So I think that kind of made me fall in love with the coaching and being a part of a, pro- a college across program as a coach, because you spend so much time with these kids and you see what they're doing on a daily basis. And you always compare it to what you did uh, as a college athlete. And, um, for me, just again, being so close knit to those close knit to those guys being in the office 24 7 since i was always there for school um they asked questions and i just feel like i had an impact on that program in a way that not many people that who weren't on the team or were outside in had an idea of it just because um they they're not the best program in the country but those kids work so hard they they are there for a reason um and what they need is just people to be coaching there that are helping Matt Poske, sure. who's a very high IQ lacrosse mindset. Um, he just needs that support for guys to be able to be on top of their, their offense and defensive schemes. And Gary DiClemente, who's still there, he's done a great job with them for four years now. Um, their defense is great. I think they're three and one on the season right now. So it's just good to see those guys. I still follow them day in and yeah. day out, watch the watch games whenever I can on my phone and still text the seniors, the seniors, on that team this year are the guys that I, when I first got there, they were freshmen and sophomores. So cool. uh, That's pretty special for me. Yeah. Um, did you meet, did you meet Gus when he was at Wagner? Yes. Did you coach Gus there? Yeah. So Gus was a sophomore at the time, my first year there. Uh, and he was about the sixth or seventh midi at the time. Mm -hmm. And again, that's the division one level competition. And, um, he was always hardworking, strong in the weight room and just an, good kid overall. Uh, he's somebody that when I found out that this was happening, he was the first person I called because, 
after his sophomore season, I was working at camp in Maryland, and I get a call from Gus Colonna, and I'm like, what is he calling me for? He <laughs> usually would have probably texted sure. me or something sure. and said, are you available? And he called me, and I'm in between sessions, and he goes, Coach, I just want to let you know I'm not coming back to Wagner next year. And I was pretty bummed because he was going to be yeah. a, a huge role to the team his junior year. Right. And uh, I couldn't really talk to him at the time because I had to go back to coaching. And two seconds later, I get a text from Matt Poske saying, what the heck, Gus is leaving. So long story short, he, he said he was going out to Utah. To <laughs> He didn't want to play lacrosse anymore. He, yeah. wasn't, he didn't fall in love with it. And uh, he wanted to go ski, and his sister was out here. So long story short, I get a call from Brian Holman that, that next summer and that he's going to come out here and coach. And first person I called after I con committed to Coach <laughs> Holman was, was Gus and said, uh, I don't know if you heard, but the new coaching staff is coming out here. And he goes, I heard already. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to play. And, uh, again, just tell the story tells itself and sure. how, how much he's been meant to this program as a yeah. captain now. Um, and just our relationship is, is second to none. Just being able to talk to him as, as a, as a friend and as a coach, which is, which is pretty neat. Uh, I don't think many people have that kind of relationship. So, um, Gus is a, he's, he's special to this program and, and just being able to tell that kind of story where you're coaching at a lower lower tier division one school to a, a brand new program where unfortunately and, and this is the last thing on Gus is he's not even going to be able to play a, a division one year with this school um, not that we're looking forward to next year already but for what he's done at this club level and building this program to Absolutely. what our expectations as a coaching staff for, for student athletes, he's, he's the epitome of it. So um, just being able to know him and, and introduce the staff to him from, from what my experience was uh, for a couple of years, knowing him has been great. He's yeah. Phenomenal player on the field, obviously, but the things he does off the field and the leadership he shows is, is no doubt the reason uh, for a lot of the success here. Uh, you mentioned getting a call from Coach Holman, and you touched on that briefly. Tell me, tell us, tell us what though. I mean, what were you, what were your real thoughts? You know, you're at Wagner, you get this opportunity to come to an MCLA school in, yeah. in Utah. What what uh, transpired there? Yeah, it was it's a it's a weird situation for me because I finished two years at Wagner and they didn't have a full time job opportunity for me there. Um, so I was honestly on the market. Uh, I was talking to a couple other coaches. Uh, for some opportunities that might arise. And it was getting close to the end of the summer where mm -hmm. jobs are closing up. And I, I was in a tough position thinking, thinking back to it now. Yeah. I, I wasn't really reaching out as much as I probably should have been. Uh, but I did so many camps and clinics with, with Marcus and, and Coach Holman over the past three years prior. And uh, I was... I've told this story two or three times at some of our, our, our meet and greets with, with people out here in Utah, but I was with the Boston Cannons. We were a midweek game, a Thursday night game uh, versus the Chesapeake Bayhawks, and we finished up walkthrough, and I get a call from Brian Holman. And I'm like, Coach, what's up? How, how you doing? <laughs> and uh, the first thing he says is, what do you think about the University of Utah? And at first, I... <laughs> I didn't even. I forgot Utah was a state. Sure, I was sure. like Utah. Like, what, what are they doing out there? And what what did you heard about the school? Anything? No. Uh, so he he sent a feeler out about a week prior, saying mm -hmm. he's going out to to check out the school. They might be starting a Division One program yeah. in the, in the next couple of years. And again, he he said, "Don't worry about it. I'll follow. I'll follow up with you mm -hmm. um, and let you know what 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 happens." And when he called me, uh, he told me he's going back out and they're going to interview and. and go through this whole process and 
Um, he goes, I'll, I'll talk to you on Monday. So this was Thursday. He said, yeah. I'll, I'll follow up with you on Monday. He goes, just think about it. Let me know what your thoughts are. If I take this, I want you to come. And, and I was like, I was so happy. Yeah. Uh, it just kind of threw me off because it was right <laughs> during my nap time on, on game day. Sure. Uh, I always take a game day nap for about an hour or so mm-hmm. uh, just to kind of clear my mind and relax. And uh, I was on the phone with him for 40 minutes. Instead, I didn't get to take my nap that day. And he <laughs> finished the conversation with just don't worry about it. We'll follow up Monday and, yeah. and crush your game today. Uh, beat the Bayhawks, play, play your game, have fun, and, and enjoy it. And I had one of the best games I've ever had in the MLL okay. that night. Um, and I just remember right after the game, I, I didn't want to call him because it was late, but I texted him the next morning and said, if you take it, I'm in. Yeah. Um, just because of the kind of guy that he is, just leader, father figure to, to our coaching staff, just teaching us every single, every single day something new. Um, so be, getting that call from Brian Holman that day was, was a life-changing experience for me. Um, and obviously w- w- with the guys he brought along two of my best friends, even before this happened, right, right. makes it, makes it so easy. And, um, I, I love where his head was at coach Holman with w- what he's trying to build here. And, and again, I- I'm thankful for it every day. He, he knows that our staff knows that our kids know that just cause, um, it's, it's just a re- constant reminder of what lacrosse world can bring to you. Just meeting these guys from camps and clinics and then coach Holman, he always says when, when we do uh, this kind of storytelling is he saw every day is a tryout, right, even as a coach. Mm-hmm. And he saw at the camps and clinics that we do uh, our intensity as a coach, our love for the game, and all three of us are the same in that sense. We teach and we coach all different ways, but um, as, as every other coach in the country, there's, there's all differences, but that mindset of, of winning and competing and working as hard as you possibly can to be the best you can be is what coach saw in us. And, and I'm thankful for my parents and the coaches I've had throughout my youth career pushing me to do that. And, and it gives me a job opportunity later in my life. So now we're here. And, and again, we're here to stay and, and make this something very special. Um, but that's that's kind of how it all originated. And it's pretty, pretty funny how it all comes together. Yeah, it's crazy how the world works sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Uh, what do you see, what do you see growth like in the West? Uh, you know, uh, I, I asked coach Gittleman about it and he said, you know, we have, we need to have patience. You know, Marcus kind of hit on the same points. How do you see lacrosse developing in the West? Yeah, it, it's, it's changed over the past year and a half for me. At, at first I didn't know what it was going to be like. Cause I, I yeah. knew a couple of our, our friends like Drew Snyder who coaches sure. out here, um, and guys out West, but I, the demand is there, right? There, mm-hmm. there's kids that are playing at a high rate. Uh, the coaching, coaching staffs uh, of some of these club programs and high school programs out here, getting some MLL guys to go coach in Denver, uh, like Matt Bocklet, mm-hmm. Brent Adams, uh, and then Jeremy Sieverts out in California, and some some of these guys that are pushing to pushing the envelope to get out here and coach. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge piece to to the growth of of lacrosse out west and. Um, I think what we're doing here is the is only going to help, right? Ha- having a college Division One team in your backyard uh, is something special. Again, I know Marcus talks about it. Adam talks about it. They had Hopkins. Me and Adam had Hofstra. We go right. to Hofstra games all the time. These kids in Denver now get to go to the Denver Pioneer games. Right, got to fall in love with that and what they're doing with Denver Elite out there with Trevor Tierney uh, and all those guys is, is just booming the game out west so it is a patience game uh, but i think 
adding an NLL team to, to San Diego next, sure. next year is another big thing. And it's getting there. Uh, I've been saying that to everyone who asks. It's, it's going to get there. Uh, and then the whole Pac-12, you look at women's across in Division One. the Pac-12 has six teams in it already. Um, Arizona State, Stanford, Cal, USC. So it is a patience game. It, it, it costs money, right? There's, there's yeah. people that you need to have invest in and really commit to what, what the growth of lacrosse is about. And um, for us, I'm just happy to be a part of a small piece to the puzzle where this gets going. People want to kind of mimic what we're doing and, and see that we did it as fast as we did and at a high rate of, of success. So um, whatever it is, I'm, I'm always open to suggestions. Uh, we, <laughs> sure. we always brainstorm. We write down yeah. stuff in our notebooks and in our journals. Just if, if it ever got brought up, we could just bring up a crazy idea. And if it works, it works. If it gets blown over, it gets blown over. So I'm just happy to see it. And just all of us being from the East Coast just shows how much love and support this, this game brings and how much people, how many people are out there uh, that really want this thing to be successful sure. as a, as a sport. So, so I have a related question that, that kind of plays into my next question. Um, you know, we talked about it growing out in the West and maybe lack of coaching or, or whatever it may be, but do you, do you feel that there's still, you know, for a long time, there was kind of a bias towards West coast kids. Um, you know, do you still feel like there's that bias or are more colleges taking looks at them? And then the second part is what, do, what do you look for in a kid when you're out, when you're out recruiting? Yeah, so so the first piece of that, you're asking West Coast kids going to different schools. Is that what? Yeah, so like East East Coast, you know, maybe they go play a tournament back east. Do they, you know, is there a bias towards them because they are from the West? And and maybe how do they overcome that? Gotcha. Yeah. So, uh, for us, noticing, I mean, as a coach now, I I love looking forward to watching a Denver Elite team play play an Express or a ninety one team or a Crabs team um, because they have been coached really well and they, they have their mold that they want to build out there. Um, but yeah, I think there's, there were differences that are starting to spread out a little bit now where, where teams are getting better and better at understanding, um, what they're trying to accomplish and and trying to teach. But, um, West coast kids from what you view from, from further perspective is, uh, they might not be as gritty as an East Coast team. Um, that I mean, that's honestly number one sure. that, that comes to my mind. And yeah. I'm just being honest: is people say the West Coast is is softer than the East Coast because mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe they haven't played yeah. as long. And they the competition is as, as high, um, but that's changing. That, that's changing rapidly. And and you got to know in lacrosse, there's <laughs> every single player and coach is different size, shape, or form. Sure, uh, you got to as a coach, you got to build your team um, to play at the highest level and put different kids, a, a tougher kid with a more skilled kid and, sure. and can try to get them to play, play well together. Yeah. So that's changing. Um, you see a, a lot of these West coast stars teams winning tournaments now back East and, and playing at the highest level um, city side with drew, drew Snyder, mm-hmm. his team, his teams are getting better and better each year and, and playing in, in box and, and East coast tournaments. So props, props to all those guys just, having that confidence and putting their kids in a quote unquote tough situation, going East, traveling the whole way and and playing these top five or 10 teams in club lacrosse back East. So, um, it's, it's all every summer is a different, different summer. So to answer that question, it's, I'm sure there is a bias for, for 
West Coast kids going to play East Coast kids, and then East Coast kids thinking about a West Coast team coming sure. to play them. So um, can't can't answer that as a player <laughs> anymore. As much as I wish I could sure. continue to play club lacrosse, sure. that's pretty awesome. But um, and then the second piece for us, uh, for me personally, um, just looking for a kid that is just all over the field, high five guy, a guy that's not just self centered. For an offensive player, a really important piece is just seeing when he gets the ball out of his stick, what does he do? Does he move? Um, does he stand around? Does he have his stick up at all times? Um, and, and you see so many different players over the summer, thousands and thousands of kids that do such cool stuff with the stick, ball in sure. their stick, and, and they score five goals, but they bring nothing else to the table riding. Um, do they have their eyes up at their coach when, when they're talking in a huddle? What do they do during warm-ups? Uh, are they walking around? Is their helmet unbuckled? Yeah. Are their shoelaces untied? Um, so for me, it's just looking for that. doesn't have to be the best player on the field. That's number one. Yeah. It's not, I'm not looking for the best guy on the field. I mean, if he has all the intangibles and all those little things, then, yeah, he's obviously sure. the guy that's going to be getting 25 emails from coaches. But looking for guys that are going to fit our – fit our pieces to the puzzle. If, uh, if we need a lefty attackman, I'm not just going to look for a guy that could just catch and shoot the ball. He needs to be able to do all those other things and, and work without the ball. That's the number one for me is yeah. seeing guys that know how to work off ball. Um, because if you could work off ball, you could play with anybody. Um, and we could teach you to dodge and teach you to shoot. That's, right. that's the easy. Right. So um, making sure you listen to some of the top coaches in the country in basketball and, and lacrosse and football, um, Nick Saban's of the world and co coach's new favorite, G Gino Ariema. <laughs> right. um, he's not looking for, for someone to make a play every single time. He's looking for the five people on the court or the six people on offense and lacrosse when there's only one ball. What are you doing when you don't have it? Sure. Um, are you setting a hard pick? So there's, there's a lot that goes into it, and that's why we have – depth charts of recruits and then we bring them to campus and, and we kind of see who they are as people and how their family is. But um, lacrosse wise, you're just making sure that they're doing the right thing um, overall. Cause especially as a new program, we want to make sure that we're starting off on the right foot and, and setting that high standard for, for what a Utah lacrosse player is all about. Sure. When, when you go out on these trips, uh, are you looking specifically at offensive players? You're looking at the whole thing, you know, do you maybe see a goalie and, and then refer him to Coach Gitz or your Coach Holman? Or? Yeah, absolutely. And and it changes, right? Sometimes you're going to watch a game for, for anybody. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's a potential recruit that we've been yeah. talking to and you specifically go to watch that person. But you're never just watching one, one guy. Sure. Um, and that's the best part about recruiting. I, I love going to these recruiting events because you could be really high on one kid at the, mm -hmm. at the Under Armour event where he kills it, he's high-fiving people, he's your kind of guy. Right. The next week you go see him at a Long Island showcase and he does nothing. Yeah. Um, consistency, right, just seeing these guys both sides of the ball. Um, there's this goalie, he make, he's 100% clearing this time, and then the next time he gets scored on, he smashes his stick on the ground. Like, that's right. not what Coach Gitz is looking for. Right. So to answer your question, yeah, we're looking for everybody. And – our transparency as a coaching staff and being honest with each other with, with recruits and um, seeing guys. I know Coach Holman always wants us to see a guy at least twice before we kind of make a decision. And mm -hmm. He trusts our eye. He trusts our our friends who coach club club teams. Hey, check this kid out. We'll go see him. 
if we like him, then we'll get him to campus and see where he's at recruiting-wise. And for right now, where we're at recruiting, I think we've done a really good job. That was definitely a point of emphasis for us when we first got here. We weren't worried about it, but it was something that was of concern, uh, how we're going to go about this and what kind of kids we're looking for. And again, Co Coach Holman's just done a great job with that and, and telling us this is what this is the way we're going to go about it. He's open to suggestions. Sure. Um, and again, we're just keep plugging away and, and it's just great to see more and more East Coast kids. I mean, I checked my email this morning. We had two more emails from two Long Island kids. So just being able to see that, any, that growth uh, is great. Any bias towards these Long Island kids oh, as they come yeah, in? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's 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 funny to it's funny to see uh, see those emails come in, and we have we have a handful of those guys coming in over the next two years, five, cool. f four or five guys, uh, yeah. I believe, uh, off the top of my head. So, um, yeah, New York and Maryland kids, we're we're, <laughs> we're trying to we're trying to plant the sure. seeds at, in those places sure. um, and build those relationships. So. One kid, one kid commits. He tells his friends, "Oh, he's going yeah. to Utah. Let's let's yeah. go check it out. Let's go see what they're about." So, it's just a whole new phase of the game. That again, for me as a coach, I haven't been a part of a new program like this where right. you got to build off that and to have a school as as beautiful and, and high tiered as Utah and the Pac-12 and being the first Pac-12 school to have to have this opportunity. Um, it's an easy sell for me, yeah. right? I think just making sure we be honest with those kids and, and get the right guys on campus and fit their fit the mold that we're looking for as a player. That's, that's the hard part, right? It's just putting, putting that team together. Um, the sell is easy. I think right. we're, our closing rate with kids that we've <laughs> gotten to campus the, of kids that we want is pretty sure. damn high. So, yeah. um, it's just, it's awesome. So what are some common questions that, that people ask when they get out to campus, you know, either their parents or the kids themselves, what, what do you kind of see as a trend in, in what they ask? Yeah. They, they ask about, what goes on off campus, right? Mm -hmm. Just the outdoors, outdoors life, skiing, hiking. Um, what's the city like? Uh, they, they ask about what conference we're going to be playing in. Sure. Um, schedule, uh, how many days of school are the kids going to miss? And again, that's, that's all stuff that gets figured out uh, on the fly mo moving forward with just the, the athletic department mm -hmm. and, and, and travel. So that, that's, stuff that every team has to deal with sure um whether you're flying or you're driving so that we, we kind of get that handled pretty easily um ask about our staff just backgrounds who, mm -hmm. who we are how, how did we come together um and, and for us what we like to do as much as possible is just try to get these kids to go to a class with one of our players huh. and gus is a guy that always is available for that and, yeah. and brings kids to business business courses and what are the what are the class sizes right um a lot of people vary right some people want a small school some people want a big school yeah. i wanted a big school yeah. right and when you go to a big school you got 200 to 250 people in your lecture halls until like your junior year right. and then when you're in your major it gets smaller so um all, all those general questions of surroundings who you're looking for people in the in the community people on your team um and then obviously the the school piece of it is what grade point sure. average, what, what test scores are you looking for? Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's expected questions. Yeah. Um, I, I think we've maybe been stumped once or twice with something <laughs> that I can't really remember, but, okay. um, yeah, I think we're, we've been pretty prepared on, um, on how we're approaching that with, uh, with our recruits and their parents. Uh, that, that's a good segue into the next thing. Do you, uh, so, so the team has the, the pillars. Yes. So I'm going to ask you what your favorite pillar is, but do how uh, how much are we talking to recruits about those pillars or, or how much of that is part of the process yeah it, it is it's it's the program yeah 
um, Coach Holman, again, building those over his coaching career and then finalizing that to start his program, it's what you abide by. It's what you live by. Um, for me, trust trust is the number one. Um, thinking back to teams I played on, teams that I currently play on, do you trust your coaches? Do you trust your teammates to in anything? Mm -hmm. Do you trust sure. them to help you in a situation off the field that you need help in if you need someone to pick you up? Right. Do you trust someone to help you with, with a class? Do you trust someone to throw the ball inside on a cut to finish <laughs> the ball? And It could be a turnover or a goal. Uh, do you trust your coach to make their correct adjustment at halftime and just commit to doing what they're trying to do? Uh, obviously, all, all five of them are what I live sure. by now. Yeah. And you look at every single day when I open up my, my folder. But uh, trust is just so important with your family, right? everything that you do if you trust somebody that just gives you the confidence to be able to do whatever you want to do in that situation so um that's that's got to be number one for me and i think with this group that we have right now the the trust is is very high and it's only going to continue to build um with coach teagle in the weight room sure coach mcdermott um with everything that he does behind the scenes trusting that we're going to get to somewhere <laughs> on at, at the right time and, yeah. and we're going to get the guys fed um and then us schemes-wise and, and just what we're trying to accomplish and what we're going to do if we're running them three days before a game, just trust that your legs will be back. And sure. I've heard that as a player. You hear Coach Holman always talk about it. You will be ready to play. Mm -hmm. um, and just hearing that, uh, even as a coach, an assistant coach, that that trust level is, is always there. Yeah, and, and you know, even in your story, you, it showed how, how much you trusted Coach Holman because, you know, he said – I'll, I'll get back to you on Monday, yeah. but you said, Hey man, I trust you. Whatever you do, I'm going to do on, on the next day. Yeah. So. And that's again, just from days on the field together, mm -hmm. going out to dinner and just having regular conversations, not even about lacrosse. Um, you could just tell that he's, he is somebody that has been waiting for this kind of opportunity and you know, he's going to do as much as he can to be successful. And I wanted to be a part of that. And you could just see that the trust that he, had in, in in our staff now is just hey I want you to come if this is if I take this job, so um, thinking more and more about it, that's that's by far number one for me. Love it. Okay, uh, any, anything else about lacrosse in the West or or general lacrosse? Anything you oh, want to add? Well, it's okay, if you don't, ML, MLL is two months away. <laughs> that, I'm look, okay. Looking forward to that. That's always that's always something. Yeah, when college lacrosse season starts, uh, our training picks up a little bit and. Um, that's the best part about being a college lacrosse coach. Your sticks in your hand every single day, yeah. and you're around these guys learning new concepts and and schemes and, and different ways to approach the game. Uh, so that's 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 number yeah, one. Yeah, I, I think I did put in my show notes for last episode that Marcus is always the first one to shoot and the last one to shoot because you guys are always out there. Yeah, it's before and after. It's the, it's honestly the best. You just kind of clear your mind, and for us. And that's the difference between a desk job and, and being a coach is you just are always around the game mm -hmm. and you're learning and you, and you feel confident going into it. And um, obviously the best part about our staff for myself, Marcus and Adam is our number one priority is this team. Right? Right. We don't care whatever it takes. We're going to be there. We're going to be around these guys. We're, we're winning, winning, winning. Um, and then as a coach, right, you get to blow off some steam when those MLL sure. games start. I think there's maybe two weeks that overlap mm -hmm. with our se with our season, and okay. luckily there's no interference uh, for any of my games. Um, so it's just 
it's just great for cool. our guys support us. They text us, hey, yeah. coach, good oh, luck. Yeah. So, oh yeah, that's just another couple, step. A uh, couple guys drove out to Denver when you, yeah, you or yeah, yeah it was my you, game, right? my yeah. game versus the Outlaws last year. There was four or five of them drove out to Denver. Uh, I know the Stouts, Chad, uh, Q from last year was there. So, mm -hmm. uh, Jake Stout. So it was just again, that's that's the family that we're building right. here. Is that the, our right. guys get to drive. A, eight hours or so to, yeah. to go see family and go watch one of their coaches play and then take a picture after the game. That just yeah. sums up the whole weekend where um, getting our guys to fall more and more in love with this game. And hopefully we can get an NLL team, MLL team out here <laughs> yeah. in the near future. And, and that's that's the whole story written right there. Absolutely. You know, I, I did promise uh, Marcus that we would do like an MLL-focused podcast. I don't want to dive too deep into yeah, that. But yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's for another day for sure. For sure. Okay, it's time for the not-so-rapid-fire questions. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Uh, a, a popular question from Marcus. What's your favorite field you've played on or and coached on? Favorite field I played on and coached on. I'm going to have to go with this past summer when we went out to Barcelona. Okay. Uh, I don't know yep. the name of the field or the park we were at, but it was right along the water. Yeah, um, that's what Marcus said too. <laughs> yeah, so, and I honestly didn't get to this piece of his, his podcast. So, um, yeah, it was definitely in Barcelona. Cool. Just the water right there, again new people, new faces, and just growing the game. Yeah. Uh, so I'd have to go there, Barcelona. Okay. What about, and so that coached and played yeah. for that one? Okay. Yeah, both. Uh, what uh, what book or books are you reading and then uh, listening in a, any podcast? Yeah, so book right now, I'm reading Shoe Dog by uh, mm -hmm. Phil Knight. This oh, yeah. is Nike CEO. I'm like halfway through, uh, kind of hit a halt once the season started. Sure. Just I was on, on a nice groove there, <laughs> reading a couple books and getting into the reading in 2018. Yeah. So. Uh, that's what I'm currently reading. But again, my, my favorite book uh, right now is, is, um, Relentless by Tim Grover. Mm -hmm. Um, just the, the mentality that you need to be a t top athlete in your sport and in person. Um, so it's definitely a good read. I, I read uh, shoe dog at this time last year. I read it on the California trip last year. Nice. So yeah, I'm looking, I, I'm looking forward to finishing it. There was one part that bothered me, but I'll wait until you're done. Uh, and, and Don't then we can talk away. about it. <laughs> so, uh, any podcasts, you big, big podcast guy. Yeah. So I've obviously dipped into, uh, Paul Rabel's podcast sure. and suiting up and listening to the people that he brings on mm -hmm. there. And, um, part of my take is, is one that we, we listen to with the, mm -hmm. the, the, uh, barstool guys yep. we listen to that once in a while just again those guys just shoot it straight and right. you get to see what the, what they really think of <laughs> right. of the, the the weekend um what happened whether it's sports or off the field stuff they, they just bring up everything possible so again n nothing crazy but those are definitely my top sure. two if i had to listen to one uh so the winter olympics will conclude this week you've been watching them what's what's your favorite sport what uh what do you look forward to the most about yeah. the olympics we've we've we watched a little bit just the timing timing's all different we were on yeah. the road obviously for five days so um i know big air snowboarding the finals are friday night um i've been watching a lot of the snowboarding and skiing yeah. half pipe stuff uh I, I know the guys have said this. I, I'm a curling fan. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think it's pretty interesting how yeah. how that uh, those two teammates can can kind of make that happen. So I'd have to go with the snowboarding, skiing slash uh, curling. And I know the, the hockey uh, medal rounds are tonight and tomorrow. Right. right so uh, you can try hockey or curling in Utah. So right across right across from the practice from Rice uh, from the Eccles Fieldhouse. There's that Steiner inside uh-huh you can do the curling there at least you could I in the might, past might have to do a nice yeah, little walk-in walk <laughs> clinic did you see the goal celebration the the college across yes, celebration yes, with the curling on the side? i did i might have to uh, yeah brilliant to teach that to the guys before brilliant. we get to texas yeah brilliant um what what stick are you currently using yeah so uh i'm very fortunate to be 
sponsored by STX. Uh, I'm using the STX Surgeon head and, and Surgeon Shaft. I've been with those guys for four years now, and I just love their product. Um, and, and for me, I'm pretty simple with, with that stuff. I don't need to have a specific shaft or head, but I've, I've just been using that for three or four years sure. now, and I fell in love with it. So just give me a piece of mesh and, and a couple of shooting strings. I'll figure <laughs> out my stick nowadays. I used to be picky. Now now I'm not. I just got to just yeah. fall in love with it and, and, and trust it. I, I have one criticism about your stick. What? It's royal the, blue. I know the shaft is blue. <laughs> I did change it. Okay. I, I, I brought the silver one. I, I didn't use it for the. For, I use it for the preseason, not for the games. Okay. I no, put the silver one on. No royal blue on campus. Okay. <laughs> I remember you called me up. Uh, last question: What's your favorite thing about Utah? <sighs> the outdoor scene and the people. Um, new friends. The friends that we have now are just unbelievable people. They, yeah. They're just always looking out for one another. Uh, always looking to do something fun and have a smile on their face. Uh, if you're having a bad day, there's always a text or a funny Snapchat to, to make your day up. Yeah. Um, and just the opportunity outside of the, the game of lacrosse and the school. Just I'm able to snowboard again, um, falling in love with that more and more each day, hiking. Um, so just the, just that opportunity. And then just when my again when my parents came out here, just seeing the look on my parents' face and seeing where I live now. Yeah. Uh, my sister is coming out here next month. I'm very looking forward to that for the first time. Um, but I definitely have to go with the people and just the outdoor environment that this state has to offer. Yeah, you know, uh, your your house is located in one of the the better views in the in the whole state. Absolutely. To be honest with you, you get that great look at Mount Olympus when you wake up. And yes. that's what I was talking about with Marcus last time. You know, you kind of have the mountains on the east, so you get the cool sunrises, but then you have the mountains in the west, so you get to see those sunsets too. Yeah, uh, uh, it's definitely one one of the reasons I've stuck around. Uh, that and that and family, obviously, but absolutely. Uh, anything else? Anything else you want to add? No, uh, I'm just. Um, again, I'm. I, I appreciate you doing this, Tim. This is this is something that's really special to this program and, and the state and, and Utah lacrosse in general. So, uh, to all the listeners of the prior three and this one moving forward, and getting once we get our guys involved and more and more people, uh, even if we have special guests coming out for just the podcast, <laughs> is pretty cool. So. Uh, the sky's the limit for this, and you just learn so much about people and, and, and what we're trying to build here. Um, and I just appreciate everything you do for us and, and, sure. and, and this as well. Yeah, it's been fun. Where, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, uh, Will Manny one on Instagram and, and Twitter. Uh, again, big on the social media stuff just because of, of where we live. It's mm -hmm. kind of hard not to take sure. a picture and, and show people and sure. my family. That's pretty much why I do it. Yeah. It's just allowing friends, family to see what it's all about and Got three friends coming in this weekend for, yeah. for high school friends coming in. So cool. Um, again, just continuing to build our brand, my brand, and, and, and everything else that comes with it. Snowed right in time for them to come. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> they couldn't have timed it better. Perfect. It was a, it was a drought, and then we got 30 inches in, in 72 hours. So can't <laughs> complain right. about that. That's right. Uh, that'll do it, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, follow us, uh, as always, on Twitter, at Utah Lacrosse, on Instagram, at Utah Lacrosse. And Facebook is Utah, uh, I believe you just put Utah Lacrosse after Facebook.com. That'll get you there where you can search University of Utah Men's Lacrosse. Thanks for tuning in. And, uh, of course, any feedback is wel welcome. You can email me personally, Tim, at UtesLacrosse.com. And thanks for tuning in. <laughs>